Well, hi everyone. Welcome, uh, welcome if you're a visitor to church today. I'm sorry I can't be with you. Yes, um, well, we, we've, I'm in isolation following the uh, New South Wales health regulations. We've had a family member who's tested positive. So we've been at home all week uh, doing what you do in isolation, I suppose. We're all, we're, we're actually doing pretty well. Um, I'm healthy, Michelle's healthy, the family's healthy, so that's good. Um, but we miss you all, we do, and we look forward to seeing you all in person next week. Um, and unless, well, I guess unless someone else in the family gets it, that's always a, that might be a problem, but hopefully not, hopefully not. Anyway, I'm um, thankful I'm also not preaching next week. Ross Graham, who's leading the service today, thank you, Ross. He's, um, he's stepping up to serve next week, so we look forward to that. I look forward to that, and I look, look, look forward to being with you in person next week. There is an um, uh, outline in your bulletin. If you'd like to get that open, that'll be helpful to you to follow along. I'd love you to have your Bibles open to 1 John chapter 5. And obviously no Q&A today, uh, but if you want to write a question down in the comment slip that you can tear off from your bulletin and then place it in the, uh, uh, the comment card box at the back of the church, that'd be great. How about I pray for us as we look at this um, really important topic today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. We thank you for your word. We pray that we'd, you'd help us to concentrate. Sometimes watching a video for a length of time is difficult, um, but help us with that. And uh, remind us of your goodness today, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, one of the challenges of, um, of these pandemic times is, is, I guess, it's the lack of certainty, isn't it? It's the lack of knowing uh, what comes next. Can, can, can I make plans or not? Will the rules change again? Uh, we like to be sure, and, and COVID has, has rocked that assurance, now, if you're, a, if you're a Christian person, you may, you may well liken the, the COVID experience to faith in Jesus. How can we be sure? How can, I, how can I be sure I'm right with God? How can I be sure of my salvation? See, many Christians struggle with assurance. The fear that they may not be true believers, it's a type of doubt. And as we've been hearing over the last couple of weeks, the opposite to faith is not doubt, but it's unbelief. And the truth is there's a corner of doubt in every Christian. I believe, help my unbelief. This is to some extent the norm of the Christian life. So how can we be sure? That's where we're heading today as we continue in our series on doubt. But the key to answering this is not in ourselves. Assurance is not based on on us. It's not based on me. The answer is not to look inward or to look to ourselves. If we do that, we'll eventually find reason to doubt everything. Rather, the, the assurance is that Jesus rose from the grave. If Jesus truly rose, as the Bible tells us, then sin and death are conquered. So we don't trust in ourselves. We trust in Christ. We trust in the gospel. And that's the heart of Christian assurance. That's the direction we're going to be heading. Uh, we can have confident assurance of our salvation. And no letter in the New Testament is more concerned to bring us assurance than, the letter, uh, to the letter, than John's letter, 1 John. And if you've got that open now, uh, well, if you don't have it open, please open it in front of you. 
In his letter, especially in the section we've read today, the apostle sets out the basis on which his readers should be assured of their faith. John answers three key questions, which you can see, I have them up on the screen, but you can see them on your outline as well. And they're going to help us to think through what, what uh, think through this topic of assurance. So the first one is, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? And the second, what kind of faith is the true faith that says? And third, how can I be sure my faith is real? So let's look at that first question. An important question, I, I reckon you think, yeah, you reckon you'd... Um, uh, you would agree with me there. What does it mean to be a Christian? Well, a Christian first is someone who believes and trusts in Jesus. It's not about being religious. It's not about doing good work. It's not about having some life-changing spiritual experience. It's about believing in Jesus. A Christian is someone who simply has faith, a personal faith, trust, belief in Jesus. 1 John 5 verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, believes that Jesus is the Christ. In fact, John mentions believing in Jesus four times in this passage in John chapter 5, 1 to 13. Next, a Christian is someone who believes we are saved because of what Jesus has done for us or what God has done through Jesus. Same thing. This is very different from any other religion or worldview which says, do good things, do these things, and then God will be impressed with you. You'll be able to earn God's favour and and forgiveness even. Like my Muslim friend who ignored the call to prayer that day uh, because he thought he'd done enough that week. He thought he'd done enough good good works to to tip the scales. The scales were tipped in his favour now and all was good. But then I asked him, well, how do you know? How do you know you've done enough to, to tip the scales? How do you know you're enough to be, how, how can you be sure that you're right with Allah? You're right with God? Well, when he was pressed, he really didn't have an answer. He doesn't know. He doesn't know for sure. Religion, you see, says, do this. And Jesus simply says, it's been done. Religion will never bring assurance because it's impossible to know whether you've done enough. You see, we can never please God. We all fall short of God's holy standards. Every one of us is what the Bible calls a sinner. We've all rejected God and we all justly deserve God's wrath and punishment. Being good, you see, being good isn't good enough. Our good works will never cut it. We, can, we cannot earn our salvation. We need a saviour who can rescue us from our sin. And that's exactly who Jesus is. That's exactly what Jesus came to do. He gave up his life as a ransom for our sins so we could be forgiven and be right with God. We contribute nothing to our salvation. Jesus does it all. And so the third answer to that question, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, a Christian believes salvation is a gift from God. Years ago, I was speaking to a large group of of teenagers and um, I placed a a $20 note in an envelope and wrote gift on it. So this, there's no $20 on this though. Uh, And then I offered it to anyone who would stand up, uh, come down the front and, well, receive this gift. Now, they didn't know there was $20 in it. It just said gift on the front of it. Now, how long do you think it took one of those teenagers to get up out of their seats and come down the front and receive that gift? 
I guess they were trusting me, weren't they, that there was a gift there to be had. Uh, well, I didn't time it, but it actually took a bit longer than you think. See, this gift from Jesus is for anyone, but you need to receive it. You need to oh, come down the front and receive it, so to speak. You need to receive it by faith. We trust in God, the giver. Salvation is entirely a gift from God, which we receive simply by trusting Jesus. So back to 1 John 5 verse 1 again. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the, the Christ is born of God. To be born of God means that you have been given the gift of new life and salvation. Uh, Jesus describes that in John chapter 3. And back to 1 John 5 verse 11 though, this, and this is the testimony, so just to put down your page in your Bibles, God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. It's a gift. So assurance does not depend on what we have done for God, but in trusting what God has done for us. You hear that? Assurance does not depend on what we have done for God, but in trusting in what God has done for us. Remember, that's our key message, isn't it? Sort of about, thought that, uh, we said, the, said, it, said that right at the start. Our assurance is not based on us. Okay, what's our next question? Our next question, as we think about assurance then, is what kind of faith is the true faith that saves? You see, so if Christianity is all about believing in Jesus, how does the Bible describe that faith? Well, the good news is it's not complicated. And we ought not make it complicated. Even the simplest faith in Jesus, as small as a mustard seed, weak and faltering it may be, is able to save and bring assurance. This is because the saving power is not found in the faith itself, but in whom we have faith in. It's not our faith that saves, but Jesus. So even the smallest amount of faith in him is effective. But there is a minimum content, if I can put it that way. We can't just have faith. We have faith in Jesus, but what about Jesus? What, we, what do we need to understand and believe? Well, John writes that true Christians are those that believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Son of God. Again, 1 John 5 verse 1. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, he talks about a minimum content uh, in Romans 10 verses 9 to 10. Now, again, I've, I've got this up on the screen. Um, I hope you can see that. It might be a bit reflective, but if not, just listen very carefully. Romans 10, 9 to 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. You see, so those that deny that Jesus is God, are claiming, say, he was a moral teacher or a great prophet, or they deny his physical resurrection, well, they do not have a saving faith. But believing truths about Jesus is not the same as believing in Jesus. Let me explain. You see, true saving faith is not some mere intellectual head knowledge. It's not that. It's giving your whole self, your heart, your body, your mind over to Jesus. It's not mere intellectual assent to doctrinal propositions. That's quite a sentence, isn't it? Let me, let me try to illustrate this. You see, if I, I can speak of my belief in aerodynamics and auto, uh, sorry, aero engineering. That is, I can speak of my beliefs 
in planes. That, that this plane, this flying aluminium cylinder, will keep me in the air. And I believe it. I can speak of that belief. But if I really believe it, then well, what do I, I'm going to get in the plane. And I'm going to fly in the plane. I'm going to trust it and believe in it. Believing truths about Jesus is not the same as believing in Jesus. We, we need to commit. We need to trust that his ways are best. We need to trust in Christ, boarding the plane, obeying his word. Jesus says, remaining in my word in John 15. Well, John captures this relational aspect of true saving faith in 1 John 5 verse 13. So jump down the page, 1 John 5 again. By speaking of those who believe in the name of the Son of God. Believing in someone's name, that expression uh, in those days, was a way of indicating that you had a personal relationship with them. Uh, or, or actually, we could put it, we could take James, another example. Uh, going back to our series on James, a saving faith is more than just agreeing to the facts about Jesus. So in James 2 18 to 19. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. The faith that does not lead to action is dead. So friends, here's, what kind of faith is the true faith that saves? Well, it's not complicated. Uh, I think... As we go back to Romans 10, declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So here's the key question then. Uh, if God has done in Jesus, if what God has done in Jesus is the basis of our assurance, and it is, then we've got to ask ourselves, do you believe in Jesus? Do you trust in Jesus? If the answer is yes, then be assured of your status with God. You're saved, you're friends with him, you're no longer enemies, your sins are forgiven. But if the answer is no, well then you've got no ground for assurance. Friends, it doesn't matter how you got there. Uh, maybe it was a specific moment in your life when you said yes to Jesus. Or maybe it's something that happened over a long period of time. Or maybe you've always known Jesus. You've always been a Christian. The good news is it doesn't matter when you put your faith in Christ. It could be this morning even. What matters is that you are trusting Jesus now. That's what matters. You're trusting Jesus now. So do you trust in Jesus? That's the key question. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, that he is God's son, that he died for your sins and rose again, and you're willing to publicly confess that Jesus is Lord, then you are a Christian and you have every right to be sure of your salvation. All right, one final question, one John helps us with when it comes to assurance, and that is, how can I be sure my faith is real? How do I know my faith is genuine? And maybe I'm just going through the motions. You might feel that now and then. And questions like these are quite common. Uh, be assured of that. Especially for those of us, if you're a Christian person with a slightly more uh, tender conscience and um, yeah, a little bit more introverted, 
You know, you, you, we wonder, we, we, we doubt. But the Bible encourages believers with doubts like these. Genuine faith will produce outward and inward evidence of such faith. So there's evidence. The first then, there's uh, the evidence of a changing life. You can see this on your outline. John, and I've given you some, um, uh, I've given you some passages there to follow up if you like. Just check there, there. Yeah, lot, lots of passages. So you can, you can follow that up in your own time. But let me say a few words about that anyway. John reassures his readers that they have eternal life because he sees evidence that their faith is real. He sees their new life. He sees their new attitudes, their new actions. He sees, he sees evidence of a changing life. So 1 John 5 verse 4, they show that they've been born of God because they've overcome the world. That is, they're resisting the temptations of the world around them. Uh, they're not, they don't keep on sinning in the ways they did before they knew Jesus. They're demonstrating real faith in 1 John 5 verse 2 by loving God and carrying out his commands. They have a new love for believers and are willing to share with those who are in need. A true faith in Jesus will always be demonstrated by a new resistance to sin, a new love for God, a new desire to obey his, obey his commands and a new love for other believers. But it's a daily battle. It's a daily battle against the sinful desires of what Paul calls the flesh, our sinful desires, uh, the, the, our, 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 the spirit versus the sinful nature, clashing, a daily battle. And we're never promised that we're going to be free of temptation. But the crucial test is whether you're actually fighting this battle. That's the crucial test. Whether you're hating sin and the idea of it and doing everything you can to resist temptation. The thing to remember in here in this struggle, this battle, is that some days are better than others. In fact, some periods of time are better than others. Progress in the Christian life is not always consistent and, and continuous. It's a bit like that sometimes. You know, if we assessed our faith every day, I reckon we'd be discouraged. Uh, the New Testament is full of letters written to churches who are struggling, who are backsliding, if you like. See, I reckon it's a good suggestion, um, is that at the end of each year, we ask ourselves, have we grown in love for God and his people? Simple, good question to ask, end of each year. Maybe you can ask that now from 2021. Have we become more Christ-like, more like Jesus? Are we resisting sin more? If we, if we find our growth is stalled, well, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a wake-up call to repent, isn't it? It's a bit of a kick up the backside. Okay, God, I'm sorry. Hasn't been a good year. Please help me change. The truth is that the very fact that you are concerned about your spiritual decline or lack of growth is a sign of real faith. So be encouraged. Now, the other evidence that we can be sure of our faith is the evidence of God's presence with us by his Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that we will experience the work and presence of the Spirit in our lives, uh, confirming the reality of our relationship with God and bring assurance of salvation. Now, John refers to this in John 5, 6 to 10, which we read earlier. But in uh, John 4, uh, 1 John 4, 13 to 16, that's where we're going to go now. So if it's in your Bible, flick back a little bit or look up the page, wherever it might be. Uh, John 4, 13 to 16. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we 
have seen and testify that the, the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them by his Spirit and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Now, John doesn't explain what this feels like to have the Spirit in us. Although I think Paul helps us to understand a little more of what to expect as a result of having the Spirit in us. And this probably deserves a lot more time. So we're just going to touch on this today. You might have some questions to ask and put in the comment card or come and see me and have a chat. But Romans 8, I've got this up on the screen. Romans 8, 14 to 17, I'll read this out for us. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Paul is saying that true believers will be given some experience, a personal awareness that they are the children of God. Now, there's no promise that we will feel this all the time or that we'll, it'll be some intense, overwhelming experience. In fact, the, the context of Romans 8, in that context, this experience, we'll actually we'll experience uh, the, the, the spirit in, the, in tough times as we face persecution and pushback for following Jesus. The sad thing is that many Christians struggle with assurance because they have unrealistic expectations of what being a Christian feels like. It's really sad. It rocks people's assurance. They start comparing their own experience with what other people say or other, people, other people's experiences or maybe what, what uh, they've read about and believe is in the past. The truth is the New Testament shows that Christians may experience the work of the Spirit in their lives in many ways. But that doesn't mean these experiences are promised to all believers. Tricky topic in some ways. Um, if you want to talk a bit more about that, I'd love to come and chat to you. Uh, I'd love to talk with you maybe after a service, if you want to get a coffee during the week, whatever it might be. But the this is a key issue and many Christians struggle because they've been taught things the Bible does not say about the role of the Spirit, about emotions and feelings and, and assurance. Please be assured. Trust in the Lord Jesus. You have the Spirit of God in you uh, and obey him. Many Christians lack assurance because they misunderstand the basis of their assurance. You see, it's not us, it's the gospel. It's Jesus, his death and resurrection. That's the basis of assurance. So with that assurance in mind, with the grace of God in mind, we need to examine ourselves using the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 10. Examine ourselves. Let's ask some key questions. There are three key questions, uh, although the, lot, the second one's got a bit more explanation with it. But three key ones. The first, do you believe, I'll put it like this, do I believe and trust today that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God who died for my sins and rose from the dead? Do I believe that? That's the first key question. And second, has my life changed since I put my faith and trust in Jesus? 
Can I honestly say that I've developed a greater love for God, a love for his word, a love for his people and a hatred of sin? Do I struggle to resist temptation? And when I sin, am I quick to repent with genuine sorrow for what I've done? Have others been able to see the, the, the ways in which I've changed? And have they observed me in my progress in godliness and Christ-like character over time? Has my life changed since I put my faith and trust in Jesus? That's the second question. And the third question, have I experienced something of, of the work and witness of the Holy Spirit in my life, causing me to cry out to God as my Father and confirming to me that I am his child? Three key questions. They're important questions, aren't they? hope you can ask them of yourself today. And why don't we pray and ask God to help us do that. In Jesus, uh, let, let's pray in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for... Um, your, your goodness to us today. Uh, we thank you for, well, thank you, God, that you love us and that you sent your son, Jesus, as a ransom for our sin. We thank you for the cross. We thank you, Jesus, for your death and resurrection. And that's the source of our assurance. That's the basis of our assurance. Help us not to look at our own, our own goodness even or all the things we've done wrong and how we fall and fail. But instead, Lord, help us look to the cross and find our assurance in your love for us by your son's death for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to hand things back to Ross. Hopefully I'll see you next week. Bye for now.